This episode is brought to you by Papa Rob's Coffee. We love this coffee so much. Even when we were camping in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma, Leslie and I found a way to brew this delicious blend of coffee each and every morning. It's great at home or by a warm fire in the morning. Head over to paparobscoffee.com and you can see many varieties of wonderful medium and dark blends. And then of course, don't forget to use the code ASPIRE15 to get 15% off your order. Just a reminder, Jeff Gargas, Ray Hewitt, and myself will be at FETC conference in New Orleans, January 24th and 25th, and I can't wait to present and participate in a book signing there. If you are going to be at the conference, I'd love to connect. Make sure you reach out, either DM me at Joshua double underscore stamper, or reach out via email at Joshua at teachbetter.com. And then, of course, use the code FETCSPEAKER23, and that'll give you 10% off your registration. So hopefully I'll see you January 24th and 25th. Now let's start the episode with one of my favorite Teach Better podcasters, Dana Goodyear, as she talks through her leadership journey and about some of the projects she's got going on right now, including a new book that was released called Out of the Trenches. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders my name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I have a fantastic guest with me who is on the Teach Better Podcast Network, but also is a brand new author, and I can't wait to talk about her new book. Dana Goodyear, thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. Well, you do such a phenomenal job, and we're going to talk about all the different things that you do in education. You're a fantastic leader. You're a podcaster, author, blogger with the Teach Better team. I mean, you just do it all. So can you just share a little bit about your educational and leadership journey? Yeah, so uh, this is my 23rd year in education, and I started out as a world language teacher, taught French for about 13 years, mostly in high school. I've also taught some English for second language or multi-language learners, worked as a GT uh, co-coordinator. A lot this year I'm working with supporting co-teaching model. Yeah, I've done my principal licensure about 12 years ago. That's when I first started getting interested in being a leader. It was actually when I was a department chair. Uh, was on the building leadership team uh, was pretty early in my career and really kind of saw that. Ended up working on the school. I also was very uh, passionate about attendance even as a teacher, like world language teacher, start getting concerned if kids aren't there for several days because, you know, missing all this information really was uh, active in uh, making sure I communicated with parents about attendance and truancy. And that really got me interested in um, working with that when I became a dean of students and uh, helping students uh, stay out of truancy court, working a lot with uh, kids who have special needs that have behavior plans and things like that as well. So I've done a, I've done a lot um, and I, I do list uh, some of those things in my book as well, but uh, we'll kind of talk about different things as we go through the podcast. Yeah, Dana, I want to know just as far as your administrative journey goes, yeah. what led you to want to become a building leader and step away from the classroom? <laughs> really making a difference in the school. Um, I, you know, started teaching in the early 2000s, and I felt like I was not really seen in the building as a electives teacher. You know, my ministry would come like when they needed to for the evaluation, right? There wasn't really that 
walkthrough. And also the fact that as a teacher, I was sending a lot of emails uh, to the deans about like the attendance issues. I didn't really see much follow through in that. And as I participated on the leadership team in my department, I really kind of saw like a lot of the change does happen from the top. So, you know, I started the program, actually, the principal licensure program in 2005. And I took, well, actually, I took the course on, uh, I think it was multiculturalism which was, was interesting and great. And then the next course was supposed to be on school law. And I was like, I don't know if I want to continue. And that was really early in my career because I was like, oh, that's not that interesting. <laughs> so, so I kind of let that, like, put that aside and then picked it back up uh, four years later, actually. <laughs> so, um, you know, because I was like, the politics, school law and all that, yeah. that sounded kind of dry. And, like, I wasn't really ready to do another like master's level program that early in my career. So I picked it up when I was ready and kind of had more of that experience in the classroom and being a department chair and things like that. Yeah. Like I'm really passionate about school culture and um, how like people uh, being visible in the building, the leaders, the APs, deans, um, et cetera, anybody who's non-instructional basically being out there in the hallways really uh, it makes an impact on school culture whether or not kids are going to be rambunctious in the hallway. Um, you know, I'm currently at a middle school. So like if kids are like just really being rough and horse, doing a lot of horseplay in the hallway, one is, yeah, teachers need to be out there as well, but also that presence of uh, somebody who is on the admin team uh, goes a long way. And also the presence of administrators in the classroom. I'm really passionate about getting into classrooms I've been following Justin Bader for a long time. He has 500 classrooms. Hashtag, it's been a goal since like 2017 to get into 500 classrooms a year. So you just have to plan it and things come up. Like you can never know like how your day is going to go. But like, you know, use a tally list, use a checklist, make sure you're using uh, something to send, either send an email to the teachers or, um, you know, leave a sticky note, some some way to communicate with them. that way they get used to your presence and it's not like an aha or a gotcha when the admin shows up for a formal evaluation or walkthrough. Yeah. And we just had that conversation with the Teach Better Mastermind and you're part of that group. And I remember you sharing that out about the 500 different walkthroughs. And I think that's just a, a fabulous goal for any administrator because it's so important to get in the classroom to be able to coach your teachers and, and be a resource for them. I want to talk about the elective piece for you. You were a teacher, like you said, that was in the elective realm. Did you feel like you had to prove yourself because of the subject that you taught and that you could be a building leader someday? I wouldn't say I would have to prove myself in the fact that, you know, this teacher could be leader, but I think the voice mm-hmm. in that instructional leadership team, like if we were a team of 12 um, teachers plus the admin, like me me coming from the world language maybe wasn't quote unquote as important as what the math or the science teacher had to say, right? Right. Because they they were the subjects that were tested on the state mandated tests. So that's kind of where I felt like I maybe needed to prove myself more. But I think like, you know, if you're if you're teaching world language, you also have that issue because what I was teaching, like it was up until about six, seven years ago, and we did still use a textbook a lot. 
different. Right. Right. Now everybody uses digital resources. So what I saw as a department chair is the funding or, you know, the amount of money that we could get to buy supplies, whether it's textbook materials or other supplies for our department, seemed to be pretty low. Uh, it's frustrating, especially when we needed to replace things. I, I felt like if we weren't seen in that realm, it was like we do need more money. For, mm-hmm. They, you know, a lot of schools don't see the electives maybe, you know, as being that place where we need to put our money in. You know, there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, studies where you can use a second language how you can use that later on in life but also it helps uh, with many other subjects that you're learning at school especially language arts and critical thinking skills yeah if i didn't have electives i don't think i would have gone through school yeah (laughs) just me personally but yeah uh, it's a very important thing and uses a different side of the brain for a lot of those courses and um, like you said are need to be funded so uh, i'm glad you brought that up and then I want to talk about uh, your book coming up. So what is the title? What is it about? Why should my listeners rush out and buy it immediately? So it's called Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators. And it's a little bit of a side note from my podcast I've been hosting for about two and a half years. But I got the idea of writing the book kind of um, as a basically a journey uh, of my background, right? I've had a windy road, uh, so to speak. Uh, So I do tell some stories in the book. And I I start even out with kind of student teaching, right? I don't go a ton into each, I don't give like the whole background of everything that happened. But I do, you know, a couple paragraphs here and there of what I experienced, right? And um, I think a lot of educators can resonate with those trench stories that I uh, share in the book. There's also some excerpts from uh, different guests that I've had on my podcast, uh, what they learned uh, from their trench stories. And the thing I want people to get out of the book, you know, we go through these tough times uh, in education, but like sticking with it, right? Uh, Learning from those stories of resilience, using tools to manage the stress, to manage setbacks, um, you know, collegial conflicts, things like that. Uh, So I mentioned some things that I've used, um, some things that, you know, a lot of people mention in webinars and podcasts and PDs that I've been to. Uh, So uh, there are some worksheet pages in there, people, uh, reflection questions that people can ponder. I think it would be great um, as uh, something people can use in a book study uh, with colleagues at their school. I'm really excited. It's been about a year and a half since I started writing it and then finished the manuscript in February. And so it was in the queue for a while. So I'm really excited. It's now about to come out finally. It's funny how long it takes to actually create the book. And then (laughs) especially now, like when you start doing interviews and talking about the book, you're like, what did I I say a year and a half ago? Because it's been so long. You brought up your wonderful podcast, Out of the Trenches, which is on the podcast network, Teach Better Podcast Network. And I just love your show so much. But for the listeners that haven't had a chance to tune in, you know, what is your podcast all about? And then what's the origin story? Like, why did you create a podcast to begin with? Yeah, you know, I've been a fan of some, like I mentioned Justin Bader. So he has Principal Center Radio, uh, Danny Bowers, Better Leaders, Better Schools, um, and also Transformative Principal, Jethro Jones. So I've been listening to those since probably 2016. And, you know, avid listener of those podcasts. And uh, I reached out to Danny, um, it was about three years ago, and asked him kind of like, what do I need to start a podcast? I was still working on my doctorate. So I put that aside. But once I finished my doctorate in early 2020, I kind of needed something to do. <laughs> like I was like, I have all this extra time. Um, 
And I have that desire to reach out and like see like where this could go. And I have that idea like I'd have these French stories or these, you know, these rough patches or what you want to call them, um, valleys and, and mountains in my career. So I wanted to have that as that leading question for guests, like tell me a time you were, you were in the trenches and managed to call out. And so I, you know, I do a pre-chat with my guests and I always ask them to think of a story that they want to share on the podcast. A lot of people share something from earlier in their career. Sometimes they share, like I did my first season during the pandemic. So some people shared how it was as a leader or superintendent mandates and restrictions and navigating that during the pandemic. Also, some people have shared more personal stories about uh, how they even got into teaching in the first place. A couple of people have shared, like they they kind of stumbled into teaching through substitute teaching or uh, through a family member that suggested to go in. So it's really interesting to hear just kind of how these people that are now where they're at, those uh, stories of resilience, keeping uh, forward and not giving up. And uh, then we talk a little bit about, you know, how that's uh, kind of, led to where they are now. A lot of the people I talk to are consultants. And so like there could be a, a point in their story that led them to like rethinking education. Mm-hmm. So that's what they work with now is maybe alternative ways to teach students. So I like to highlight a little bit about what some of these people are doing both in the classroom and in administration, in schools, but also people that are um, helping people that work in districts there that are now consultants. Yeah. You talked about your blogging and how you wrote something about your podcast, which you blog all the time. And I, I feel like every time I look on the Teach Better <laughs> website, there's a new blog <laughs> from you. And I love it so much. And and you touch on a lot of different leadership topics. So, you know, for those who are looking for additional resources, will you just share maybe a couple blogs that, you know, topics and things that you write about and what you're passionate about? So sometimes I write about stuff that I'm kind of running into um, in the now, I would say, kind of being in the building. Uh, Something that I did write about recently was uh, not leaving late hires in the dark. And it kind of is also something that we saw last year as well with a lot of people that were coming in late, you know, or mid-year hires, or, you know, you had people quit whenever during school year, which is a little bit less now, but like, how can you welcome people? How can your admin team and um, the admin assistants uh, set up a welcome packet for new hires uh, that start anytime during the school year? You know, I also talk about like communications with stakeholders. I know that's the uh, topic now on the uh, Teach Better Mastermind. Uh, So how can, you know, we reach out to our stakeholders, invite them in for um, not only those open houses and those parent nights at the beginning of the school year, but how can we forge those partnerships with our stakeholders as well. And, you know, when it comes to fundraising and having students get community service hours, I wrote in September about making your mark on students in your building. And that's kind of in general as an educator, building relationships um, with uh, both the students, uh, with with your colleagues as well, but, you know, being non-reactive, right? So uh, not letting maybe some students attitude or comment get that to, don't take it personally right and then how to build empathy I've, I've written a lot of kindness empathy especially around world kindness day in november uh but yeah there you know there are sometimes it's around a theme but it's also around like just acts of kindness things like 
I wrote in May, like I was gifted a lunch when I was at Chipotle from a stranger. Maybe it was because I saw my school ID badge, but I was like, I just didn't expect it. So I sure. wrote a post about it, like, you know, don't take these acts of kindness from random strangers for granted, yeah. right? And sometimes people show appreciation in different ways. Mm-hmm. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I want to go back to your blog on late hires. And I know this might be a little bit different direction because you were talking about in that piece about, you know, making sure that they feel like they're a part of the building culture and, and knowing and, and making sure that they have all the resources they need. But I'm also thinking, you know, there's some that retire mid-year or maybe they're transferring to a different position, whatnot, and they're looking for a late hire in the middle of the year. You know, yeah. what are some pieces of advice that you would provide our leadership listeners to find the best fit for your building at such a late date? So I really think it's good to have uh, those needs identified. Let's say you are replacing a retirement teacher. You know, you're not going to somebody that's going to be exactly the same. Sometimes, um, like, for example, my student teaching, I, I finished in December. I did it. So we could have somebody who's graduating in December. And just kind of identify the traits of what you're looking for for the team. Right? I think if you're, let's say, replacing a social studies teacher, meet with the, t- the team, uh, find out kind of what the needs are, you know, what can um, they add to that team. So have have those identified um, and then go through your list of candidates. You might not have a huge list of candidates, right? Um, also seek out ways to look for uh, candidates elsewhere. I know a lot of districts don't. Um, tend to advertise on places like Indeed and LinkedIn. Yep. But if you are desperate for uh, a teacher mid-year, it's it's better to advertise other places than just district websites. So I, I experienced that as a department chair of world languages one year when we didn't have two Spanish teachers and we needed long-term Spanish teachers as subs the whole year. So I think it's also really important to have that time for that teacher to get acquainted with the school culture, because whether it's a brand new teacher or somebody who's taught a few years or a veteran teacher, kind of let them know the expectations, like does your school year's PBIS, right? You know, what are the expectations for management in the classroom versus sending them down to the office, kind of find out what their ideas are. And some of these could be part of the interview questions, but also you don't know, like they might answer certain things during an interview, but in real life, it might be totally different. So as an admin, make sure you're really touching base with them a lot. The first couple of weeks they're in the building, asking if they need anything, have sort of a mentor teacher there. You might not want to label it as a mentor teacher if they're a veteran teacher, but have somebody there that can kind of be that buddy teacher that can help them find what they need, whether it's supplies, whether it's a copy code or any of those things that are in the building, right? Um, and make sure... There's like an admin assistant who walks them through the building and shows them uh, the key people that they need to know in the building the first day. So they're not kind of like using a school map and trying to figure it out all on their own. So I think uh, one of the most important things is to really welcome them as a member of the staff so they don't feel like they're a sub or a long-term sub. I did get some comments when I shared that blog out, but there are people who have experienced like that feeling of being a sub when they were actually hired at a weird time during school. 
Yeah, I think you make a great point because a lot of folks are inheriting a lot of practices and things that happened out of their control, you know, that were systems in the classroom with students that they're trying to build a relationship in the middle of the school year. It's a difficult time for that person coming in. So uh, I love that you're talking so much about providing for them and not making them feel like a substitute because they're not. They're a part of the the staff now and uh, you want to make sure that you have open arms and and embracing them as a new staff member. So yeah, I want to talk about more of the things that you do. You know, for those who are seeking, you know, help in all the different topics that you've discussed today, how can they reach out to you? And then what do you love to share with schools? So on my website, danagoodier.com, I do have uh, some different PD offerings. Um, So I have a plan where I could work with uh, PLCs in developing your own personalized PD plan. And I think a lot of schools and districts have gone away from that one size fits all PD. Um, A lot of um, teachers, you know, we we know about a certain thing that a a school maybe wants to focus on, let's say it's inquiry-based learning or differentiation, right? We need to kind of survey and find out like who who needs this, who can go to, so it might not be within your PLC, but it might not be in your subject area. So kind of how do you build that plan, whether it be individual or in groups? One of the things I also talk about, taking a lot of the tools that I learned uh, as a dean of students in a Title I middle school and reaching out, you know, when you can't get a hold of parents or when you have students that have really high truancy and you really need to peel back those layers of the onion and find out what's going on and how can you be that support? How can you also communicate with teachers what's going on, how they can be supportive? Because sometimes when you have a student who's been out for several months because of truancy and then they come back to the classroom, it's frustrating for the teacher, right? Because they don't know the content. So how do you work with the staff in your building as well when you're reintegrating this truant student back into the classroom? And I also talk about kind of seeing beneath the iceberg of teacher practice. Like if you're just getting in the classrooms twice a year, right? You're only seeing a very minute amount of what's going on, right? So really talking with your teachers, finding out what the goals are, whether it be for the lesson, if you're doing a post and pre-observation, or if it's just kind of having that chat in the hallway during fasting period about like some of the students and about their teaching practice and what, what makes them tick as a person. So, um, you know, not, not just being that administrator who um, just sees the tip of the iceberg. And those are things, uh, some of them I've worked from, uh, some of the courses that I've done through the Principal Center and really enjoy some of that instructional leadership practice that I've gained just by following that 500 classroom motto. Well, Dana, you not only serve educators and schools, but you're also in the community and you are a part of the board of directors for Colorado Congress of Foreign Language Teachers. And I know you have a lot of exciting things going on with that organization. So what is going on with with that project and, and organization? So I've been on the board for that organization for about two and a half years since June of 2020. And although I'm not teaching a world language right now, I wanted to, let's say, give back, right? But we, uh, one of the big things is conference that we put on in February and for the region, it is one of the biggest conferences. So we're hoping for at least 250 attendees. At the largest, it's been about 400. So we did have close to 200 last year, beginning of 2022. Um, and I'm responsible not only for the social media promo, but also for the exhibits. So um, the last year's exhibits chair is now the president-elect. So I've been contacting exhibitors. You know, we already have the site because we had a three-year contract for that. So, you know, I've attended a lot of conferences like the Teach Better Conference. And, you know, seeing that as an attendee is one thing, but actually being part 
of a board where you're putting together the conference is a totally different thing. Totally so, different. Uh, yeah. And um, like last year, I'm probably going to present uh, three different sessions. I'm going to do a session as well on uh, some of the stories uh, and some of the excerpts from the book. Um, Darren Peppert from Road to Awesome, who's my publisher, you know, we discussed, um, you know, that's a good way to promote the book as well. Use uh, the book as a breakout session. And so I'm really excited uh, to kind of get these final pieces together for that conference in February. So Dana, I want to ask you for our aspiring and current leaders, if there's one or two things they can do tomorrow or next week to enhance your leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? I think it's reaching out to other leaders, whether it's a colleague um, at their school district, uh, somebody via social media, having those conversations, whether it's courageous conversations about race and equity, uh, whether it's conversations about like how to approach, um, you know, a teacher um, who's struggling, right? How do we best uh, manage those conversations? Or it's talking about, um, you know, student that we had in our office and, you know, really reaching out to others, finding out how do we navigate this path uh, because we don't have all the answers. I think sometimes when you try to like either answer a parent in a phone call or give an answer to a teacher, when you're not sure, you know, you can make a mistake. So I think it's better sometimes to say with you within the 24 hours um, and, and have that conversation with colleague and how would they approach that issue, right? So I think mastermind is a great place for leaders to kind of weigh in on some of these topics. It's not a job that you can do alone. It takes a village and that village can be in your school or district. But I also like the fact that you can rely on people that are scattered throughout as well. Like that non-biased opinion, not in your same organization. For those who are listening and want to expand their network, how can they reach out to you and connect on social media? So I mentioned my website, danagoodier.com. I'm on Twitter at Dana Goodyear. Also out of Trenches PC on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and uh, Road to Awesome website uh, is where you can purchase my book. It'll be on Amazon, Trenches Stories and Educators. Dana, I just love being connected with you, not only with the Teach Better Podcast Network, but all of the many things that you do for the Teach Better team, having you at the conference. And before we end our conversation, I just want to get your perspective on Teach Better 22. I did write a blog post about that too. So uh, one of the things, so one of the things that I felt like, you know, it was kind of that class reunion where like you're seeing all these faces and some people, you know, you'd communicated a lot with in the Zoom meetings or mastermind, et cetera. But some people like I had on the podcast and I couldn't always place the name with the face. And I think some people had that as well. Um, but like, it was a whirlwind, quite a whirlwind for two days, me being on podcasters row, like I didn't get to see all the sessions, but like you had the opportunity to learn from uh, people in the field, but also experts in different areas. Um, you also had great keynotes and it was a smaller, like a group. Right. And so we had the opportunity to network. It wasn't like you get lost. Like I've gone to the national conference for world language teachers actual, and it's like, you know, several thousand and you yep. just get lost in those huge conferences. So I really liked just the the fact that I was able to connect and talk with people. We have these networking events in the evening um, at the uh, 
different breweries and stuff. So I really hope that there's going to be a Teach Better 23. <laughs> there will be no announcement on this podcast about that, but uh, <laughs> I loved the conference. I, I think I've said that quite a bit on my podcast. It was such a joy. And then also having you a part of Podcast Row was phenomenal. And to see so many amazing educators and leaders, uh, I definitely want to see a Teach Better 23, but that's just my opinion. So we'll, we'll see if there's an announcement for that. <laughs> coming soon and uh dana i just appreciate you in so many ways and thank you so much for being on the aspire to lead podcast well thanks so much for having me on